Good morning. We want to welcome those that are joining us online this morning. And of course, our campuses in Appleton and Stevens Point, great to have you a part with us here as well this morning. Would you go ahead and stand with me as we stand at all of our campuses, as we take a moment to recite the Apostles' Creed, our statement of faith here at Celebration Church? Would you join with me as we do that? We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, it's good to see each of you here this morning. We want to take a moment before I begin our share with you this morning and the message that I have prepared. I want to take a moment just to update you on our Go Beyond. Uh, we do that once a month, and so this is the time that we'd like to do that. So uh, as you see the picture up on the screen here, there's a kind of a quick update for you. Uh, with Appleton, the contribution so far is just over $55,000. Stevens Point Campus, $117,000. Uh, the Green Bay campus, 688000 just over 688000 for a grand total of $860,409. Amen. Thank you so much for being faithful as you continue to give towards the pledges that uh, were, were taken, and as we continue to fulfill uh, that commitment, thank you for doing that uh, as we reach out and as we as continue to stir the vision and, and uh, share the vision here at Celebration Church. So thank you for doing that. Amen. This morning, uh, I have an opportunity of sharing with you again. Pastor Mark uh, is in Canada and uh, has not been able to make it back. So the opportunity for me, or has not, was not able to, to plan to even be, be able to be get back. But it's an opportunity for me to share with you again today. And it's great to be able to do just that. Let me ask a question here this morning. How many of you love a good sequel? You enjoy a good sequel? Anybody remember the Rocky movie? How many of you remember Rocky 1? Rocky 2? Rocky 3? Rocky 4? Rocky 5? Man, we had all kinds of Rockies after that, didn't we? I mean, just one Rocky after the other. What about the Star Wars movies? There seem to be sequels one after the other there too, the trilogies. And, and you know, it's always good to have a good sequel. And then, you know, now maybe you're into these latest ones that have been coming around, kind of the Hunger Games, and there seems to be more and more of those. You know, good. Now, every now and again, I know there's a bit of a bad sequel, and a lot of bad sequels came to my mind, but I didn't want to share those with you here this morning. But, you know, it's nothing better than having a good sequel, enjoying a good movie that's a good sequel. This morning, I want to share with you a sequel to the message that I shared a couple of weeks ago. The message that I spoke to you about a couple of weeks ago was the message, Hope the middle child. And so this morning, I'm going to unpack a few things, share a few things that, uh, in addition to that, and I want to share, do the opportunity to do that. But before I do, I want to show you a couple of pictures that in a minute we're going to have up on the screen. Now, I'm calling them today pictures because a couple of weeks ago, my daughters were laughing at me because I kept on referring to them as slides. Uh, and, uh, you know, slides are those little things that when you're old, you remember the slides that uh, you put in that funny thing that went around and you click a button? All right, these are, not slides, like, these are pictures, so I finally got that part right. 
Okay? These pictures I want to share with you, are, and by the way, there's, if there's any resemblance to this, my apologies, all right? Not, there shouldn't be any resemblance, but there's some pictures here of a, that, uh, things that all middle children know all too well. All right, the first one you see there. As a middle child, you remember the exact moment everything changed in your life. Your youngest sibling was born, which meant you were no longer the angelic baby of the family. You can just see that going on in his mind, right? You were the forgotten middle child from now on. You were always old enough to help out with the chores, but too young to run with the big boys. Being in the middle, you had to learn to resolve conflict when you were just a little tot. Taking turns, sorry, you, yet you, are always, you always seem to be the object of ridicule, opportunity to get ridiculed there. Taking turns usually meant watching your siblings have fun. That's an old picture there, that's not of me, I promise. All right, you weren't above taking desperate measures to get attention. And finally, and finally, you always insisted on doing things your own way. The middle child, middle child syndrome. We talked a little bit about that. And I kind of introduced you and kind of talked a little bit with you a couple of weeks ago about the middle child that we read about in Scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, it says this, These things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. That middle child of hope. We may have heard many messages. We may have read many books on faith. We may have heard many messages. We may have read many books on love. But the chances are that we have not really heard that much or understood that much about this middle child of hope. Maybe that middle child has been misunderstood. And it was my intent, and it is my intent again this morning, to help us understand a little bit more of who this middle child is. What is it all about? Now, we touched on it the last time a couple of things, and I want to just give us a brief summary in preparation here this morning. We talked a little bit about what is this hope? What is this hope? What is this middle child of hope? The definition that I shared with you then was that it was the confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. It rests on the stability of God. The hope we're talking about, this biblical hope, rests on the stability of God, of His character, of His will, of His truth. That hope, this biblical hope, it's not the kind of hope that we cross our fingers and just hope something was going to happen, but that it is centered, it is focused on the almighty God. That's something very different to the hope that we see in the world around about us and the hope that we see expressed for us. Now, we also answered the question, why hope? Why hope? Simply put, we hope because the world is in such a mess. That's why we need a hope. Things seem to be so hopeless around about us. We need true hope. We need a hope that we can trust in. We need a hope that we can believe in. We need a hope that we can walk in. And we also, right at the end of the message, I touched briefly on where is the source of hope? Where do we receive our hope from? What does that look like? And we concluded that hope is received and possessed 
at the time of salvation. At the time that you and I come to God and receive him in our life as our Lord and Savior, the hope that I'm talking about, this eternal hope, this biblical hope, not the hope that I cross my feet, but this hope that's based upon the character of God and who he is, is given to us. We possess it at the time of salvation. Let me encourage you with this. When it comes to this kind of hope and where it comes from and what this hope would look like, the prophet Isaiah referred to it in this way. And we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 40, starting at verse 27 through 31. And read this passage of Scripture and help us to understand a little bit more of what this hope and the source of hope looks like. All right? It says this. Why do you complain, Lathan? Oh, sorry, it says Jacob up there. But there has been a time where I've complained. All right? Misunderstood. Complaining. I'm a middle child. Why do you say, Lynn? Oh, no, that's Israel. Okay. Complain. Why do you say? Isaiah's getting in, 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 in God's face. My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. God, he, the one that we put our hope in, the one that we trust in, the one that we lean on, all right? He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding, no one can fathom. But he gives, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary. Isn't that good news? Now, I don't know where we actually, or this Isaiah decides who's still young and who's still old. I think he was kind of referring to those that when you get up to 60, you're still young, and when you get 61 and older, then you're old. I'm not sure where the cutoff line was, but he says that even the young people, the youth, will grow tired and weary. The young men will stumble and fall, but, verse 31, but those who hope in the Lord. Would you say that with me? But those who hope in the Lord. Who? Those who hope in the Lord, what will happen? Will renew their strength. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. In some ways, this passage from Isaiah, at the beginning anyway, is kind of looking a little bit like... There's a little bit of hopelessness there. People are being tired, weary, complaining, all right? But then we hear this message that if you hope in the Lord, if you put your hope in Him, He will renew your strength. This confident expectation, this hope that comes as we put it, our hope in the Lord. The Amplified Bible says it this way, just that one verse, verse 31. It says, but those who wait for the Lord, who wait for the Lord, who hope in the Lord, who expect, who look for, who hope in Him, will change and renew their strength and power. They will lift their wings, they will lift, be lifted up on wings and mount up as eagles, mount up to the sun. They shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. Now, there's a, another translation when it's talking about this hope that we're referring to, here, this middle child of hope that we're talking about, and this, this hope and waiting upon God. Another translation uses the words, to bind ourselves with twisting. 
Now, you may have heard this before. I've shared this on occasions before, but it's something that's so important and it's been such a vital part of my life as I've walked out my relationship with God and hoping in Him, in God Himself, and trying to keep my focus in that area. But, you know, when I came to the, the, the United States after graduating from high school and went down to university, went to university in Georgia, and one of the things that was fascinating to me there was these beautiful uh, um, trees and woods in that area that were all over the place. And we would notice that in amongst the area there, there would be this like a vine that would be connected into those trees. I mean, it would just cover the tree completely. I mean, you would just see this massive vine, and I think they, they called it kudzu. But it would just be twisted in with it. It became one with that tree. It was binding itself with twisting upon that tree. And if you were to try to remove the vine, you were going to have to remove the tree. If you were going to have to remove the, the, the tree, you were going to have to remove the vine. And I remember uh, during that time, I was uh, helping out a guy who was putting a fence around uh, his farm. And we would go into this area, and we, and we were trying to cut down those trees. The intention was just to cut the tree down. But it was so tightly woven with that vine that it was, a, it was man, it was tough. It was hard because we would have to remove everything, including this vine. Binding ourselves with twisting. That's what it means to hope in the Lord. That we can come and bind ourselves with twisting. That we can remain in the vine. That we can come and that we can, you know, it, it just, just, it's almost this, this picture of becoming one with God. Binding ourselves with Him. Hoping in Him. Well, let me ask the this morning for us as we look at this hope. Why or how do we, how do you and I truly live out our hope? Why does it seem so difficult at times to live out our hope? Why do we as Christians sometimes seem so helpless? Why is it that we struggle sometimes to live out the hope? If we know that our hope comes from God, if we receive that hope at salvation, why is it so difficult to live out? In Romans, we have a response to that. Let me read that verse of Scripture to you here this morning. Romans 15, verse 13, out of the New Living Translation. We're going to see how we can live this out, how we can live this hope out, even in the midst of difficult times, that hope is possible. And how is it possible? Listen to this. It says, I pray that God, the source of our hope, God, the source of our hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Now listen. Then you will overflow with confident hope. Boy, that's where I want to be. I want to be a man that overflows with confident hope. Not a hope that I'm just crossing my fingers, but a hope that is based in God, that has been given to me by God. Confident hope. And how can we do that? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. You want to know how you can live out your hope? Live out this hope that is given to us at salvation? We live out our hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. We put our trust in Christ and we put our trust in Christ for salvation. He gives us the Holy Spirit who comes to live within us, who wants to fill us, who wants to empower us, who wants to strengthen us. The Holy Spirit, the Word of God says to us, is our, the paraclete, our counselor, the one that's called alongside to help. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can live out our hope. 
It's the Holy Spirit that wants to influence all that we say, all that we do, all that we are. That's how we live it out, through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowering us to live out this kind of hope. This kind of hope that we're talking about, this biblical hope, goes beyond just earthly circumstances, earthly uncertainty, the things in life that are uncertain. It goes beyond that. And it even goes beyond being unsure about the outcome. Well, I'm hoping that's going to happen, but I'm unsure about it. But it comes to being based in the love of God that is displayed in Christ on the cross. Living out that hope. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, in the New Living Translation. It said, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope, if somebody sees, wow, there's something different about you, there's something about you, what is it that, that's so different? How can you have this expectation, this hope? Where does it come from? Peter says to us that we must be always ready to explain it. We need to be able to live it out. That hope that sets us apart. To live out that hope by focusing on the person of Jesus. The person of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, you may say, well, Pastor Lathan, is it okay to hope for a good job? Is it okay to have a hope for a good relationship? Is it okay to hope to do well in school? Yes. But it needs to be rooted. All right? Rooted. I don't know how to say that in Wisconsin, but rooted. All right? It needs to be rooted in Christ, no matter what the circumstances. That's the hope we're talking about. The hope that's based upon who God is and what he's done in our life. Rooted in that, not the circumstances, all right? We need to live out this hope that we're talking about. Now, what is the biggest hindrance to hope? I'm sure if I would ask that question here today, there'd be many of you that would have a different, maybe a different thought and a different idea. But I want to suggest to us this morning that one of the biggest hindrances to hope is doubt. Doubt. I struggle with doubt. I struggle, God can, the definition of doubt, feelings of uncertainty or lack of conviction. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever experienced doubt? You're hoping for something and you're believing it's for, but you, doubt comes in. Let me tell you the story that I'm sure that most of us, if not all of us, have heard before. But you remember the story of Abraham? Abraham and how he in Genesis was, was uh, taken by God and God uh, promised him, gave him a promise that he was going to be the father of many nations. In fact, he took him out at night and he told him, look up at the skies and he said, you see all those stars there? You see the stars up there? So shall your offspring be. Many stars as you see, that's how many children you're going to have. Now, if God said that to me, man, I'm out of there. I, you know, boy, it was hard enough with having three. Uh, but that's, that's, that's quite something else. But Abraham, no, he believed God. All right? He knew that he was old. He was hitting triple numbers almost, 100 years old. Sarah was barren. It says, tells us a little bit about this in, in Romans chapter 4. Let's read it. It says this. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. God declared that to him. 
This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Verse 18. Even when there was no reason for hope. You know, could it have been that Abraham at times felt that hindrance, that doubt trying to creep in? But it says here that even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. He chose to hope in the word that God had spoken to him and stand firm on that. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken even though at a hundred years of age he figured his body was as good as dead and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Able to do whatever he promises. I'm sure there was opportunity for Abraham to doubt. I'm sure that if there was opportunity for him to view things from a humanly, a human perspective. But Abraham decided and chose that he was going to rest on a God who can and does the impossible. That's the hope we're talking about this morning. That's the hope that the Holy Spirit empowers us to have. You know, there's many stories in God's Word. You could look at the story of David. David was a, a little boy when he faced Goliath. You think he was frightened? I do. I'm sure David kind of felt this is what God was directing him to do, but when he was standing in front of that giant and the, fright, the, the fear that must have come over him, I, they probably would have thought, I, I, you know, I wonder, do you think doubt may have crept in? He was frightened. What about Joseph? Joseph was treated unfairly. His family, his brothers, treated unfairly. He probably felt like, God, I, I, I'm doubting what you've said to me. I don't know whether I can continue to hope for it. But he continued to do so. Anybody here ever been treated unfairly before? Wow. What about Daniel? We've just had the study that on a Wednesday night. Just finished up that study. Do you think that when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, there wasn't a little bit of a doubt? I'm sure as that lion opened up its mouth and showed those nice, long, sharp teeth, there's a part of Daniel that thought, <gasps> God, are you really? Is this? But he continued to hope in God. Sometimes, maybe for someone here this morning, you've been afraid to hope because things have happened and you doubt that they can be possible, that they can really happen like Abraham. Maybe you're here this morning and doubts crept in because you've tried to hope before, but, but you've been let down like Joseph. You've hoped for that, but nothing happened. Maybe you've hoped for things and doubt has now crept in because of past wounds, past disappointments, things that you've experienced, past experiences, even present circumstances that you may be going through right now at this very moment. And doubt has crept in. Because doubt is common. It can be common to all. But how do we overcome that doubt? How did these testimonies that we read about here in God's Word, how did they overcome that doubt? is when we take our lives and what God has said and shift our focus off of what's temporary and put our focus on what's eternal, the truth of God, the gospel, 
the good news of the gospel, things that are eternal. Temporary is not going to last. Eternal lasts forever. Eternal, God's word. What has God said to you? What has God spoken to you? What has he said through his word? What has he said to you through the still small voice? What has he said to you through the circumstances in your life? When you put your focus on that, on the eternal, not on the temporary, you can increase your hope can be what God intended to be. You can stir that hope within you. When you put your focus on God's character, his unchanging character, when you put your focus on his great love, you see, church, the power of the gospel, the power of the good news will shatter doubt that may be in our heart and in our life as we hope in him. Let me conclude with a, a, a story. There was a young man who was in his early 20s, and he had felt a call on his life to go into ministry, and he had prepared himself to do so, had felt God even calling him now to give his life for full-time missions, and had prepared, started to do that as well. He got engaged, and uh, was everything seemed to be coming together, and he was now out um, speaking at different churches, itinerating, raising his funds to be able to go on the mission field. And in a little town called Waycross, Georgia, far away from Green Bay, Wisconsin, one day he'd been at a church he'd preached, and he'd uh, left the service and, this, and was, had stopped uh, at this place to get, to get something to, to drink, I think, or to get out. And he pulled behind a Greyhound bus. There was a big Greyhound bus, and he pulled up behind it. Coming from behind him was another Greyhound bus. And for some reason, the brakes in that, that bus failed. And what happened was the car that he was in got squashed in the middle. The driver of the Greyhound bus that hit him from behind jumped out of the bus, ran around to the front to see if he was okay. And he'd had his Bible up on the dashboard, and his Bible had fallen off and fell in his lap, and it opened up into his lap. And this driver of the bus just went quite hysterical. He just started screaming, I've killed a man of God, I've killed a man of God. If you look at that from an earthly, from a temporary perspective, that, that looks a little kind of hopeless. God, why? Doubt creeps in. His parents had already given their life. They had given their life for, for spreading the gospel in Africa many years before. And they were there at that moment. I'm sure they stopped and said, God, this hope, where's my hope in this? Didn't look. But even as a result of that temporary tragedy, and yes, it, it, was, it was tough, it was tragic. But out of that, lives were impacted for the good news of the gospel. Lives were changed. You know, there's a university here in the United States now that has a missions uh, ministry where funds are raised through that missions ministry and money is sent all over the world and people are sent all over the world in, uh, as, as a part of that ministry and it's, put un, it's, it's part of his name this, in, in, in memory, in honor of this person. Many lives have been changed as a result of what seemed to be hopeless and they could have caused doubt. How do I know the story? Well, that story, that man was my uncle. He was a middle child too. He had an older sister and a younger sister, middle child too. But God used what seemingly from a temporary perspective to be a tragedy. God used it to impact the world for eternity, eternity. We live out our hope through the power of the Holy Spirit within us. We overcome the biggest hindrance to hope, doubt, as we look to the eternal 
and not just the things that are temporary. The psalmist said it this way. Psalm 94 verse 19, in closing it says this. When doubts fill my mind, the psalmist is saying, speaking this, when doubts fill my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and strength. Renewed hope and strength. Maybe there's some stories that you have. I'm sure there are many stories that you could share here today. They may be similar. But as we allow our hope to be centered in Him, empowered by the Holy Spirit, seeing our, and focusing in on the eternal and not just circumstances and the temporal, we are impacting. God is using us in a powerful way. We are renewing our hope. I close with just the chorus of the words of the, that hymn that was mentioned last time as I close our message today. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to close in prayer. Father God, we thank you today for the hope that we can have in you. That goes beyond the hope of the world around about us. Because God, we know that if we walk in earthly hope, that we will experience hopelessness. But God, that our hope is from you, it's in your word, it's in the, your character, it's in who you are, and that we can stand on that. And we thank you that that hope is given to us when we reach out and receive you as our Lord and Savior. And you, Holy Spirit, come and you empower us to be a people of hope. And that God, when doubt does come, and we are challenged by the doubts, that God, we can stand and realize that it, uh, my hope is, is based upon the eternal things and not on the circumstances that can change. And that my prayer today is that each one of us can allow that hope and that truth to go deeper into our lives and we can stand strong and stand upon the rock that is Christ Jesus. And we pray it in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen.